0: All right, if you are a guest here or joining us online, thank you. My name is John, and I am so, so glad that you're here. I really do believe that God wants to speak to our lives. He wants to speak to us, that He wants to speak to you in the the very place that you're at. You're here on purpose. Say, I'm here on purpose. Yeah, you're here on purpose. And, And so, if you have your Bibles... In, or in your Bibles, go to John chapter 1. All right. We celebrate the Word of God because the Word of God reveals Jesus, and insight about Him for our lives. And Jesus changes our lives. We've been in a series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality for the last couple of weeks. And I know we skipped it in the last week. But it, it's a teaching that I hope that will continue to shape our culture here at Hill City, that it's not just a one-time deal, but that it's shaping our culture and it's shaping our faith into something more honest, more vulnerable, more humble, right? Allowing Jesus into every and all area of our lives, our emotional poverty, which is our, our areas where we lack the capacity to heal, to feel, to control our emotions, and, and I believe that all of that, too, needs to under, uh, submit under the authority of God. So I don't want us, and for many of us this is true, I don't want us to continue to live a wounded life believing a lie that this is the way I'm always going to be because people believe this, I know. But yet the gospel, say so yet the gospel... The good news of Jesus does not only save us from the penalty of sin, but also the power of sin. Think about that for a moment. The gospel saves us. Jesus saves us not only from the penalty of sin, but the power of sin over our lives. So we're going to jump right in. But I want to pray one last time, and I want you to just ask God, God, do whatever you want. Heavenly Father, do whatever you want. I know there's been a lot of prayer, but I'm asking, God, I believe you're setting us up because you want to speak to us today, that there is a receptive heart, Lord God. Let us be open. Let us hear what you are saying. Let us feel what, this, what you, are, you are wanting to lead us to, Lord God. And let us accept the truth of your word and let it set us free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God wants us to be healthy. In all areas of our lives. I I mean it. Mind, heart, soul, and strength. But that means we must move from knowing and hearing. Like this internalization of faith. Like I understand that to moving to participating and active faith. That's externalizing. I believe a lot of growth happens, not when you think about it internally, but when you start living it out externally, when you start talking about it, when you start sharing your story, when you, when you do the genogram we asked you to do, when you are confessing, when you're doing the things that God has asked us to do in, in, in His Word. We know, and I know personally, that this is painful for some of us. Some of us, we don't like, we think vulnerability is evil, right? We're like, oh, that's no good. Like, that's, that's me being weak or being so honest about ourselves. We, we feel like maybe they know too much about me. Now they have something on me. We feel this because we don't believe the primary truth, many of us, that we are all part of the family of God. And in the family of God, we can be ourselves we can be loved. And so we know this is painful, and I know a lot of us in this room, we need to be healed. But in the, in the words of uh, Pete Scazzaro, who wrote that book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he said, emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable. It is not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And that's what we're going to walk into today. So I'm going to get this party started by reading John chapter 1, and we're going to run into this. All right, you guys ready? Yep. All right, John 1, I'm going to start from 19 to 23, and I'm going to progress all the way to chapter 3. So just bear with me. It says, now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders of Jerusalem, sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. So these religious uh, these religious leaders were sending these Levites, these teachers, these uh, these uh, teachers of the law, these experts of the law, out to John, out to the boonies. So John was not just next door. They had to take a trek out to the wilderness to see John, to find John, to see what the crowds were coming out to, flocking to hear this John the Baptist. So here is this religious police asking these questions. Who Who are you? They asked John. Are you the Messiah? No, I'm not. Are you Elijah? He says, no. Are you you a prophet? No. Verse 22, finally he says, who are you? Give us an, an answer to take back to those who have sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John replied to clarify in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Now, skip to verse 29. It says, The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, this is the Messiah, this is the Messiah. The one I've been talking about. This is the one I meant when I said a man comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. That's a deep thought right there, all right? Verse 35, it says, Then the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the disciples heard him say this, this is John's disciples, they followed Jesus. Don't miss that john's disciples abandoned john to follow jesus right and i know that sounds good that's like that's right we follow jesus but how would that make john feel how do you think he's feeling in that moment as people are starting to leave him how do you think he feels emotionally and now we go to chapter 3, and this is our, our, my, the main part here. Verse 25, it says this. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a, and a Jew over purification. Verse 26, they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, this Jesus guy to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing. He's doing what you're doing, and all is going to him. He's saying, look, look this Jesus, he's doing what you're doing. He's taking your job. He's taking your students. He's taking your crowd. What are you going to do about it? That is the question of John's disciples to him. So feel that tension that he's feeling because someone is kind of just replacing him and John is losing out on what he is used to. And I love verse 27. John answered, a person can receive only what is given to them from heaven. This is the main thought. A person can only receive what is given to them from heaven. If you have your Bible and you like to underline stuff, underline that. Or if you have your little app, push the button and push the pink color. That's the one I use, all right? Verse 28, you yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. That's Jesus. The friend of the bridegroom is me, John, right? Who stands and hears this this Jesus and rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. That's the word of God. So rather, here's John. And it could be easily a freak out moment right someone is replacing you that's how people are feeling someone is taking his students and rather than freaking out John celebrates Jesus he says my joy is complete he must increase and I must decrease because John had great depth of knowing who God is and knowing who he was think about this he knows who God is and he knows who he himself was and now how much do we really know ourselves like John think about John he knows God and he knows himself deeply so that he can answer these questions very boldly and very on task right so I want you guys to kind of chew that cud. just think about that do you know yourself is there self-awareness in ourselves here today So I want to give you a story of just some more insight about me. Last year, I began to have panic attacks. And I don't know about you, but I was pretty much ashamed of it. I was like, ugh. I remember first time telling some of my friends, like, I was at a meeting uh, with Paul, Allen and Franco. I was like, man, I've been having panic attacks for the last month. Like, every single day I wake up with a pressure on my chest, shortness of breath. I mean, and like, like my, I feel like my arms are going numb. And I was like, this is crazy, am I dying? I thought I was dying, I mean, I am 40 now, right? But this, I, w- I was like, what kind of person? I was asking myself, what kind of person has panic attacks? Me! Hey, I do. I do. I'm that kind of person. And I haven't had them since I was a kid. So I was like really, really caught off guard. This, this pressure. So we went to this doc, we went to the doctor and, 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 and she said, my heart was good. My numbers were good. And, and, and she said, I was very handsome and muscular. She didn't say, she didn't say any of that part, but she said, I'm, you're stressed out, John, you're stressed out and you're anxious. I'm like, don't tell me I'm stressed out. Don't speak that over me, I didn't say that. No, I was like, you're right. But how can that be? I'm God's man, I'm doing God's work, I'm a professional Christian. Like God, what am I, what's going on? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, we say these taglines that really don't mean that, but we, we like to use it when they work, right? And we say things like, I'm limitless. But obviously not because of this pressure and I'm, I'm starting to like really stress out. And like many of you, I feel, I feel the pressure to succeed. I don't know if you're in this room and you feel this pressure to be someone else. Do you ever feel that pressure? Like if I was them, then I would feel such and such. Fill in that blank right? This pressure to succeed, this pressure to win, this pressure to a- achieve. And I feel disappointed in me. And this is a, God's honest truth. When I drive by certain places, like I'm driving by like Flatirons, I'm like, God bless that place, but not too much. You know, I don't know what I say. Like, you know, I or, or like the Red Rocks or I listen to like Tim Keller. I'm like, How? how do you speak this way or a uh, match handler these people that I look up to or listen to and I began to wonder and I, and, I, and someone in our group this morning said it do I suck do I suck like you know what's going on with me right but but like maybe maybe and I was like maybe I do but who cares when you're dying John it doesn't even matter see I hit my limits and maybe you feel like this today. Maybe you feel like you're hitting your limit. You're maxed out. You're anxious. You're under pressure. You're busy. You're overbooked. You're overwhelmed. And you continue, yet you continue to strive, 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 strive. Because you don't know what else to do. Everyone around you is running at the, this crazy pace. And you try to shake it off and shake it off. But, you, and, and you try to do what everyone else is doing. You're striving. You're going for it. You're busy. All the while, your body, your emotions, your friends, your kids are telling you something has to change or you're going to break. For me, I have to listen to my body. Something you're going to break. Today, maybe this message for you today is God speaking to you clearly that you have hit your limit. And like you, I know we still have so much to accomplish. When I look into my life and the things that need to be accomplished, there is so much to accomplish. And then maybe this is unrealistic, magnified by our competitive personalities and our, and our, our heart, our, our culture to succeed, and instigated by social media, right? I don't know about you. If you uh, some, they say if you kill if you people who look at social media all the time, their happiness level actually goes down right? They are unhappier by looking at it, yet you look at it, because what we're looking at is curated posts of other people's lives, right? It's all curated. It's perfectly set up. You're like, wow, the vacation they're on, the colors are just awesome. It's just so bright. It's because it's fake. <laughs> Those aren't real colors. They enhanced it, enhanced it with saturation, right? And you just uh, put the tone curve like this, and like, uh, here, you don't need to know that, right? But we curate, we look at these posts of other people's lives on, on, on social media who are billionaires in their 20s, and you're like, what, why not me, right? <laughs> or they're ridiculously beautiful or super star- smart or they're instant success or they're very, very fashionable, and I wish I was more fashionable, right? But when we, uh, but are we being robbed by the thief of joy? Which is comparison. It's comparison. Look at her. Look at her. Look at her hair. Those are extensions, guys. Right? <laughs> look at him. Look at him. Look at their business. Their business they're such, they start, we started at the same time, and look how much ahead they are than me, right? Look at their car. And then insecurity starts to kick in. I wish I looked like her look like him. I wish I had that business, like, understanding. I wish I had their business. I wish I had their car. I wish I had their dog, right? Look at my dog. No one likes my dog, right? <laughs> then insecurity, like, really starts to kick in after that, and then and you start, like, looking at your life, and then this comparison, this insecurity. Look, they have a six-pack and no body hair. Look at me, right? <laughs> I wish I was smarter. You ever say this? I wish I was smarter. I wish I was more accomplished than I was now I wish at the 40 years old I was more accomplished I say that to myself and I, and then I talk to other people they're like everyone says that same thing I was like that's interesting right I wish I was a better leader a better mom a better dad and after insecurity sets in disappointment starts to set in my life is the worst my life I can't believe this right I'm not good enough why am I like this and listen, we all face this from time to time. We do. We face this from time to time. But have we bought into a lie, running a race that is not our race, trying to live a life that is not our life to live? Can we look again into God's word and into even John the Baptist right here, his radical peace under pressure, his, his celebration of who people felt was his rival. Think about that for a moment. But how? How did John do this? I think because John knew three things, and I want you guys to write this down his calling, his capacity, and his limits. His calling, his capacity, and his limits. Number one, calling. John said, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. That's what he says. He, John knew who he was. John knew who he was. This is, this is really intense if you really think about it. Do you know who you are? Do you know your calling, right? He knew who he was so that he could accept who he wasn't. I'm not Elijah. No, I'm not a prophet. I'm not the Messiah. It would have been so easy. Yeah, I might be the Messiah. You know, it could it would have been, Asking him John is this you he, yeah I think I think I am you know he could he could have walked right in there to gain more notoriety and power into his words but he says no that's not me that's not me his calling was grounded in God's word you and I have a calling from God for our lives and the word vocation say vocation you know we use that as a job and career but vocation is different it, it comes from a Latin verb vocare which means to call right? It's a, the word vocation is actually a spiritual word to call. Calling is something that comes from someone, comes to someone. It's specific to the individual. So vocation is the call to God, to his service in your sphere of influence based on giftedness, desires, affirmation, and human need. It is usually steady and permanent over a lifetime unlike a job or a career which can change often. Your vocation As we journey with God and stand on his word, you fall more and more into your vocation, into your calling. Called to be like Jesus, where God has you. And understand, there's peace there. Don't try to move on so quickly. There's peace there. There's fruitfulness there. There's obedience for our lives there. I love this quote by Rabbi Zusia. Rabbi Zusia, They're going to put that up. It says, in the coming world... They will ask not, in the coming world, they will not ask me, why were you not Moses? They will ask me, why were you not Zeusia? I thought that was great. Because we are always trying to achieve and be someone else. But God is asking us, calling us to where we are, with the gifts that we have, the way he made you. And he's he's calling you to be more you. You. The way he made you, the way the attributes, the way you feel, you say, oh, I'm just so emotional. Maybe you are a little too emotional, and there's areas that we need to work on, but that's you. That's your compassion. Don't be less compassionate, right? Maybe you, you're you stronger on, like, you're making a stance. We need that, too, in the body of Christ. We, we, it's so funny that we try to change who we are, but God is trying to make you more you under the submission of Christ. That's what he wants you, to be you in submission to Christ and what that looks like. Because what you do grows out of who you are, grows out of your identity. So number one is calling. Number two, in the parable of the talents, Jesus said, the master gives his servants talents according to their ability. Say ability. ability. Some of us, we're five talent people. You just are. You know when you're around them, you're like, Man, this, this person got their stuff together. I'm just glad I got a shirt on today, you know? I'm just like, I just made it, you know? Some people are two-talent people, and, and, and I understand, and some people are one-talent people. I 5 one-talent people. I'm with you. Sometimes I'm like, oh my goodness, I made it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for my one talent. Listen, one-talent people, be good with your one be faithful with who you are and what you got, responsible the way God made you, where he has you. No more, no less. Embrace it. Find peace there. Dependence on God there. Because when we're faithful with the few, he gives us more. See? But we want more before we're faithful with what we got. So with our capacity, be faithful. I was listening to an interview uh, with, uh, with Warren Buffett. If you don't know who Warren Buffett is, he is the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway, where Candace works, right? And he's worth $82 billion. And I don't even understand those zeros, all right? So he, he was asked, what would, what would happen if you lost all your money today? And he answered just plainly. He said, I would make it back. <laughs> I said, I was like, all right. <laughs> he said, some people are gifted at tennis, others at basketball, I just know how to do business. I know how to make money. And I was like, hmm, that's an interesting thing because he really understood his capacity. He wasn't showing off saying, I'm just this. He was just saying, this is what I'm good at doing. This is how I help people. This is, I, this is how I help the world, right? What is your capacity? What is your capacity? Some of you guys are mechanical. I am not, right? I am the guy who's constantly fixing his sprinkler system, because I don't do things on time. Candace, don't shake your head. I call people. When someone says, like, I'll charge you 50 bucks, I'll be like 25 bucks. Then he'd be like 50 bucks. Sold, right? And just like, go, oh, you got me again. Because I am not that guy, right? Instead of downplaying your, your capacity, not what you're bad at, your capacity, things that you, you, you shine at, like, why don't you own that? Develop it. Your talents, your treasure, your time. Are you good managers of your capacity? Using it for the glory of God, His kingship in your life, and for the good of people around you. Your life is for the glory of God and for the people around you. We're not just existing, We're, it's not only for the church, it's for the very people right next to you. Do you know the people that you make the most impact on are people in your family? There was a study done. This is going to go off trail, but I, I'm okay with it. There's a study done uh, on people on heroes, and I believe it was like like uh, 30 or 40 percent were always family members. after people look back into their lives, it was always a family member that they looked up to, or someone that was close to them, a friend. So think about that for a moment, because we think a hero is someone out there, like someone not us, someone far away. But for most people, the people they looked up to are people right next to them and who is walking with them in longevity, in understanding. We think, oh, that's not me. No, absolutely, it is you. You are a hero for someone next to you. That's how that works. That's how that works. So know that take a hold of your capacity. Everyone, I mean everyone, has gifts. And, and, and if you will not ever, if you don't feel a part, you won't feel a part until you be a part of the call of God for your life, until you start working that gift. We are all called to God, His church, and our world. Number three our limits. This is the fun one. Limits. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it's given to him from heaven. That's a crazy thought. Think about that for a moment. Meditate on that. He has given us limits as a gift to be received. Say received. Received. Yeah, receive that, right? Our limits is something we should receive. Like, God, thank you. Thank you for my limits, right? If I'm going to be honest with you, right, you can't be anything you want to be, right? If we would be honest with our kids, we wouldn't say, you could do anything you want, except you're horrible at this, this, and this. You know, we know what our kids are not good at, but we tell them, you can do anything that you want. Just put your mind to it. You know, if they put their mind to on certain things, they're like, don't do that. You'll be horrible at that, right? Because we know them. See, our parents are, and, and sometimes Disney has lied to us, right? You can be anything you want, right? There's many things you were not meant to do or be. Not all of us in this room are CEOs. Let me tell you, I am not built to be a CEO. I can just tell you, I don't like meetings, first of all. I don't like going into a room. I feel really awkward, like, sitting around a room and talking just business. I'm like, that's not me. I, I, I need someone else to ask those questions. I want to I wanna just clap in the background like, you guys are doing good. <laughs> I'm like an encourager. I'm a relational person. So I know that that's not me, and I need to, like, own that. Some of, We will not all be LeBron James, folks. No matter how much you work out, you will not look like LeBron James, right? No matter how much I work out, I will be about a 220-pound Korean, right? (laughs) That is who I will be. You are not Malcolm Gladwell. You are not Kanye, all right? We, We don't have the capacity. It just isn't you. And the sooner you know that, the better. Because God wants you to be you. God never had that in mind for us. Yet we keep on striving, trying to live someone else's life. And that is so frustrating, so frustrating. When you're looking over the fence to see what other people live like, it is so frustrating. It is. I'm telling you, can we look at our limits right now? Just think about the things that limit us in our life right now and ask God, are you limiting me? Are you the one limiting me? And then you tell him, thank you. Thank you find peace in how God has made you. In the words of a a pastor named Stephen Furtick, he says, God will not bless the person we pretend to be. We are most free, most at peace, most joyful, most emotionally healthy when we embrace our limits to be most ourselves the way God has made us under submission to Christ. We must learn to discern our limitations. And here's some areas I want you to think about when discerning your limitations. Your personality, right? Are you expert? Are you task-oriented? Are you relational, right? When do you feel the most full? You got to know this stuff about you. I know for me that I'm a creative, right? So I have to do creative things to feel full. So if I'm just going to meetings all the time, a month of that, I will just lose my mind. I will have to like like color something, or go out into the wilderness, or, or write poetry, I do weird stuff like that. But I need to, I know that about me. I, know I have to develop photography, I need to do these things, because that's how I'm made, and, and I'm a dreamer. Some of you guys are risk takers. And you need to do it. Some of you guys are builders, you need to constantly build. Some of you guys are organizers, you got to organize the things I dream about, right? Cuz then it won't happen. We need each other, right? You some of us we need consistency. Some of us we need just pure structure. That's how we're made. You got to know your personality. Number 2, you got to know your season of life. Your season of life, our seasons of life determine our limitations. Are you single? That's a limitation. Are you married? I feel like that's a double limitation, right? (laughs) If you have kids, I think it's quadruple limitation, right? You can't just do anything that you want. Even though I have a, a 13 year old now and I keep my kids home, I don't know if I fully trust her all the time, right? You're like, hmm, right? You gotta know your limitations of life. If you're taking care of an elderly parent, you're limited. If you're starting school, you're limited. You can't do what everyone else is doing. If you're starting a business, you gotta be focused. If you're in your retirement place and you need a new focus, you got to know your season and plan with that season in mind. Number three, your emotional, mental, physical capacities, and we kind of talked about that already. Some of you, you guys can handle a lot. You can have a big plate. Others of you, you just have a little bit, and you are overwhelmed already. You got to know that. Some some can deal with few relationships. Others of you have 30 BFFs. Like I'm like, how do you like? I asked Candace, how do you maintain? relationship with so many people. I, if I send out a few, like, even texts or calls, like, I am doing good, and then I have to go and have alone time with John, like, (sighs) I was perfectly honest, like, there was a crowd in the hall today, and I was sitting inside with Paul Thomas, and I was like, this is my safe space, (laughs) talking to one person, because I, that's how I feel, I feel like, (gasps) Ugh, like it, it makes me nervous for some reason. That's just who I am. And I try to like play it down and like try to be someone else. And then I like start to break apart. And I'm like, why am I like this? It's because that ain't you, John. That's not who you are. Know your limitations. But there's moments we do need to push out of our limitations, but we got to know why we feel the way we feel or why we are the way we are, right? Some of you guys, you guys multitask and manage stress well. And others of you, one thing goes wrong. You are going downhill, you're like a, a, a ship on fire, like right? Know your capacity. Number four, limits of wounds and scars from our families we grew up in. You got to know there's some of us, we grew up in a certain family, and we have to deal with cer- certain scars and wounds that come with that family. Generational sins we deal with, past experiences, divorces, relationships, hurts, pains, deaths, these create limits of our lives that we need to understand and say, yeah, that's what's going on right there. I shut people off because, boom, right there. I'm still not over that. And it's okay. we got to at least say, that's it right there. And we need to increase in some of our limits. Areas we still need to give over to God that we need to acknowledge, manage, and bring into light so that God could heal us. Not just heal us fully. John the Baptist had God-awareness and self-awareness. He saw his limits as gifts. He embraced them, and he glorified God. I love that he says, man, I'm celebrating Jesus. And when everyone was like, what are you going to do about it? He was like, you don't even know. I am so excited for what's going on right now. It's the, it was the wrong reaction. I bet everyone was like, eh? what's going on with John? I mean, is he that depressed? No. He understood who he was. And who God was. As we close today, I just want us to bow our heads for a moment. Where has God limited you right now? Can you receive that? Also, for some of you, where do you need to set boundaries in your life? Listen. Know for now does not mean no forever. I mean that. You've under- you got to understand that. Yes, people, learn to say no. Some of us, we're too much of a no person. We need to say yes. Control freaks, is your control freakiness a limit on relationships and on your faith? Because we think God doesn't move that way. God doesn't speak that way. God can't use me when I'm here, when I feel this way. Overachievers... We have to live in the tension of our capacity and limits, which allows you to be most you, how God made you, and reflect Christ in you. Fear and anxiety, people. God knows what he's doing. He's got you. He's been with you so far. Trust him for the next steps, please. All of us. The Lord is your shepherd. The Lord is your strength. The Lord is before you. And the Lord goes behind you. The Lord is your God. The Lord is your banner. The Lord is your healer. Find rest there. Encouragement there. Maturity there. I mean that. Find rest in the Lord. Hope in the Lord. John Stott, he wrote these words, the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. The essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. So that the depth of our sin always begins when we try to live limitlessly our way. When we try to control everything when we want to put everything uh, put our input into everything that's going around us when we're trying to play god yeah here's the good news you no longer have to live in such a stressful anxious way you no longer need fear of the future nor the past trying to save yourself trying to work yourself to god go to jesus today live under the limits that he has given us that's submission that's where salvation is found that's freedom That's identity. That's good news. Thank you, Lord God. Heavenly Father, just just speak to us right now. Where have you limited us? Where have you set boundaries? Boundaries not because you hate us, Lord, but because you love us. Just like a parent it's boundaries around the backyard. It's not so that we can limit our children. It's so that they won't walk onto the street and get hit or get endangered. The fence around our backyard allows our children to run as free as they want. The boundaries that God sets for our lives actually brings freedom if we would embrace it. So right now, just think about those areas that God has set boundaries on. And just say, God, I know this season, I might not want it this way, but thank you, God. Thank you for my singleness, God. Thank you, Lord God, when I'm even going through these shaky times that it's bringing me closer to you, God. Thank you that, Lord God, I feel just unwavering at this new job. Thank you, God, Lord, for making me a parent and I now I have no idea what I'm doing, God. Thank you for moving me from place to place. God, help me find you and walk with you even in a deeper way. In Jesus' name we pray.